Welcome to Feminists Without Mystique, a podcast where we process politics, sex, and the unrelenting firehose of bullshit in the news through an unapologetically feminist lens. Each week, we begin by venting about the news, go deep on one important issue. Today's issue is very important. Uh, Call out terrible things happening below the top headlines in a segment called We See You, and then we'll end with something hopeful. And a reminder, as always, if you're enjoying us, to recommend us to humans in your life. If you want to follow us on social medias, we're at FWM Podcast on Twitter, uh, Feminist Without Mystique on Instagram. Uh, So... I mean, if you want to give us money, Kofi, K-O-F-I, money. Money. Money, money, money. But hey, ratings and reviews are super valuable. Oh, yeah, that too. (laughs) (laughs) Apple Podcasts, Spotify, there's there's ways to rate on Spotify or, you know, join one of those um, platforms like Podchaser or Good Pods and just add us to like your favorites and tell people we're awesome and, you know, just do all those fun things. All of it. (laughs) Um, speaking of fun, how was your International Women's Day? (laughs) Wow. Uh, it was great. Um, in that, no, everything is just sort of dumb, especially all news related to it being International Women's Day. It just feels like totally empty in terms of anything real. Um, like, (laughs) yeah just such we have such a there's so much regressive shit happening for women um that uh yeah not feeling like celebrating but um for me personally uh I cleaned the cat litter and it was long overdue and so my international women's day moment uh (laughs) really was throwing up into the n95 that I used (laughs) to uh uh keep the nausea at bay but it didn't really work it came on very quickly and um I had to throw up all all in all up in the N95 and then I had to like go over to the sink and cut it because there's that there's two bands <laughs> oh, oh I love it. I I would have rather this not have happened to you <laughs> but it did and we all, we all have to laugh at it Maria <laughs> It's a nightmare. It's I know. a fucking nightmare. <laughs> you know, and I did it in between meetings. And sometimes when I oh, do God. something like that, I feel like, ooh, look at me, like, getting work done, attending meetings like a professional, and then getting the cat, cat litter cleaned up and, like, mm. all all in a day's work. And then it's like, mm, humbled. <laughs> <laughs> the universe has a way of humbling us, doesn't doesn't she? Doesn't she? <laughs> Yeah, International Women's Day. Um, didn't really celebrate myself, uh, as as you were saying. It it feels it feels empty. Um, feels like women are under attack, as well as like, I mean, so many, basically everyone but white and straight cis men are facing different um different attacks on their rights. So yeah, yeah hard to mm-hmm. hard to feel like pop in the sh- the champagne, you know. Yeah. Um so just guzzling the second french press of coffee and yeah, you know, being a an international woman today and every day. Yeah. Yep, you know, it's uh women internationally are doing poorly overall, I'd say yeah. also, you know. 
thinking I think about. in Finland, I think it's pretty good. I feel like I've oh, read something uh-huh. about. Yeah, I, I think they, they're pretty good with like equality from. I think it was Finland. I think you're right. Okay, so. well, aside from Finland and our, <laughs> our our deepest congratulations to everyone who happens to be Finnish. Um, good for you. Yeah. So aside from Finland, uh, not great. Not great. Not great. Maybe next year, you know. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe it's going to be a real banner year. It, it doesn't seem like it's building to that. Yeah. But, but you never know. You, you know, never this, know. That was, you thought it was going one way. With what? The Super Bowl. It's not a very oh. timely reference, but, you know, one oh, of the, yeah. one of those brothers was on SNL. So it's on my mind, but. Oh, from like Peyton Manning or something? No. Okay, I was like, that was a long time ago. No, this you said past it's not weekend. a reference. Well, the Super Bowl was like weeks ago, or yeah. I don't know what is it's <laughs> like the it's March. I don't know how is it March. I don't know. I don't it's know. March 2023, and uh, <sighs> Happy International Women's Day. Moral of the story. And to you, my friend. <laughs> and to you. All right, let's get uh, into the meat. Yeah. Shall oh, we? There's important stuff to get to. Yeah. So, what's the topic? Pedro Pascal. <laughs> Have we gone too far? Is the thirst too deep? <laughs> I don't know. I went on a journey um you know, researching for this episode <laughs> uh which the idea was born because we both I, I don't want to speak for you, but I think we're both a bit a bit thirsty for Pedro Pascal <laughs> as well. I mean, the entire internet is. And it just seemed like things were getting out of hand. It felt like there was <laughs> no end to it. Yeah. Like there was, again, bringing up SNL, but there's an SNL skit um, about all the fan cams, which I had to Google what's a fan cam. Yeah. I'm in my 30s. Yeah. Um, yep. And from there, it just, it's continued to grow. Um, He is, if you don't know who he is, like, turn us off (laughs) and go find him and come back. Uh (laughs) Because he is, I first got to know him in Game of Thrones. Me too. Yeah. As sexy, sexy. Now I'm like, am I objectifying him already? Shoot. (laughs) Let's talk about whether we should do that. Um, I can't help it. I I can't. Um, but first saw him in Game of Thrones as Oberyn and the Prince of Adorn in his robe being mm. his role was in fairness, like, yeah, a sexy, sexual, it man. was incre- like very overtly sexual, right? You know, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so enjoyed that. <laughs> um, but I guess he, he's been in shit for decades, um, like mm. Law and Order, this and that. Uh, some people think his his daddy, sexy daddy, started when he was on Narcos, um, which I haven't mm-hmm. seen. I haven't either, but, but it is. I will say it has <laughs> jumped up on my list. <laughs> yeah, the clips I've seen are pretty sexual <laughs> in nature, um, <laughs> as well. I began this journey uh, thinking maybe we had gone too far, but then I spent the day looking. <laughs> at videos and shit and like Pedro Pascal content. I'm like, we haven't gone far enough. 
<laughs> like he is all that and a bag of potato chips. He is he's very good looking. He's aging like a fine wine, but his personality is at the heart of daddy. Um he's so he seems so kind and down to earth like Mm-hmm. He's got a great sense of humor. He's super supportive of like abortion rights, like LGBTQ rights. He's just like, he's got charisma. He just, he's just, what a guy, <laughs> you know? Yeah. 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 But, but the, I guess the question is, where's the line mm-hmm. um, with celebrities? Is there a different line for men and women? Yes. Um <laughs> when when and how is it okay to like speak about basically like you finding a celebrity hot and like in what ways and in the public sphere like what's okay what's not I mean like I said he's got a a wonderful personality Mm -hmm. and I feel like when men are sexualized they tend to get to like retain their personalities and their uniqueness and they get they still get asked serious questions in combination with the like mm-hmm. silly, sexy, fluffy questions. Right. Whereas I feel like when women are objectified in the media and the public sphere, it's more of like when you think of objectification being made out to be an object, they're more like it feels like they're sex objects. They're not asked the same questions their sexy male co stars are. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just like held to a different standard where it's like they're sex objects, whereas men tend to be like cool men who happen to be sexy too. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I, I it's tough with this one because I also when you texted about this issue, this, this pressing issue. issue. Go deeping go deeping. Go deep. Go, <laughs> go deeping with Daddy. <laughs> um I I wonder what Pedro Pascal himself thinks, because I think Mm -hmm. that that's kind of where I land. If he feels that things have gone too far, then I will support him. And I will say, you are correct, sir. And we all need to just like, someone needs to dump ice water on everyone and the internet and your computer. And like, just everyone needs to cool it and leave you alone and certainly like kind of back off. There's an element of from from quote unquote research <laughs> that I've uh, done that I think he is okay with it. I think he's having a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. It doesn't seem like like there was something where he declined to read thirst tweets mm-hmm. on the red carpet, but he is okay. Like he was answering sort of questions about he'll he'll answer questions in interviews that are pretty leading, like. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm thinking like, what, well, this is a dumb one, but it, it just spans like from The Mandalorian to Narcos to Game of Thrones to now The Last of Us. And the reason he's so prominent, if you don't know, again, like you're probably not listening to this episode if you don't know who Pedro Pascal is, but he's in the HBO show The Last of Us. And so he's doing a lot of press around it right now. And his character is, uh, his character Joel is like a very um, appealing character, <laughs> you could say, but also appealing like- now. You know, human, sweet. In some interviews, like for example, The Mandalorian, um, some interview they were asking, like, do you prefer um, Dadalorian or Mandadalorian or something like, uh, and like sort of, so there's kind of like those dumber questions, mm-hmm. but then there's like the Vanity Fair um, <laughs> uh, lie detector test, mm-hmm. which was really funny, um, okay. where he like seems to actually have fun saying like, 
I do like look up fan accounts of myself and it does mm-hmm. make me feel better and I am like hot, you know? Yes, exactly. Yeah, that I agree it's important what he what he thinks and how he <laughs> feels should be the the ultimate uh decision maker. Uh but he he does seem to be quite into it in the interviews. Like you said the Vanity Fair one, he said that when he's feeling down, like he looks at heartthrob him instagram accounts you know yeah Um, (laughs) but and like the one that you referenced the only one that i found where it seemed like he wasn't into it is the one you referenced where it was it was an event for like disney plus like the mandalorian and they like asked him to read like thirsty tweets on camera basically and he just like read them to himself and he was polite but it's like he didn't read them out loud which is yeah fine and that's the thing is like i don't think they should have done that they shouldn't like there's that thirsty tweet segment on one of those jimmy's shows yeah um but like the celebrities like agree ahead of time to film that right you know i don't think it's cool to like put someone on the spot in that way yeah so i guess i do think it's gone too far in different facets like that like i would be respectful if i were to ever speak to him Mm -hmm. um of course (laughs) uh but yeah he does seem to be enjoying and going along with it um, I mean, maybe at some point his patience will will wear thin, and then he can let us all know. But yeah, I think um, I think we're allowed to to be a little thir- a little thirsty, you know. And I think like it, yeah, I I agree. I mean, I think it's sort of like he's worked really hard as an actor for a long time. Like one of the earlier clips I saw was him at age like twenty three or twenty four mm. in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, like. <laughs> And that was kind of funny. Like, so, you know, this, this man has been working for a long, he's been a working actor for a long time. Mm -hmm. He's had success in the past. Like obviously Game of Thrones for me was, I mean, huge. And I think people would recognize him from that, like on the street potentially, Mm -hmm. but it was only a season of that. He was only in the show for a season. Um, And, you know, also same for Narcos and the Mandalorian. There's like each of these, um, or at least with Star Wars and with, um, Game of Thrones, there's huge fan bases. So, like, Mm -hmm. there's you're going to be recognized internationally just based on that. But it seems like with The Last of Us, he's really hit, like, lightning kind of struck and he's Mm -hmm. exploded onto the scene. And, 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 um, if this is something that he's really like, basically, if he's enjoying it, I'm like so here for it and happy that he, and want to enjoy it with him. And I feel like that seems to be the vibe that everyone is we're all kind of like, great, you're enjoying this. We're enjoying this. Let's just like all have like a really raunchy blast. <laughs> Let's just have a fun little orgy all together. <laughs> yeah, I think he's enjoying it. And his like fashion too has been fun to to peek at. He's leaning into daddy's daddy there as well. He is. Although there was one interview where the interviewer told him that zaddy meant like an older daddy. Really? It's like, that's not what it means. It's like a sexy next level daddy. Is a zaddy. Right. Like, um, yeah, so I was like, that's not right. Zaddy isn't just old man daddy. Like, what? No. But mm-hmm. actually also, so what is, now I want to like Google what the definition of a zaddy definition. A sexually attractive man, especially an older one who is fashionable or charismatic. Like, I feel like Steve Carell could be, is a zaddy too. Yeah. You know? <laughs> He's evolved into zaddy. He really, he has. Uh, yeah. There are lots of, like, kind of, I don't know, early aughts 
like actors who have evolved into zaddy zaddy where's zaddy. Zom- like where's zami though you know Z- <laughs> zami <laughs> where's zama <laughs> zama um i do we just have <laughs> milf is that all because we already have dilf too so like where this is the real issue with equity <laughs> here on international women's day zaddy what about mommies zombies why don't we talk about this? Like, Oh, and that's funny that you're even mm-mm. saying zombie. I wasn't even thinking mommy. I was thinking zombie from like the last of us, like sexy, <laughs> sexy mushroom. <laughs> See, that's how, that's how broken the system is <laughs> that we can't even fathom of zombies. <laughs> sexy zombie mommies. Sexy um, zombie mommies. But really it's like, we've got our, our dad bods, but where's, where's our zombies? Well, I also think that, there last year at the Oscars, Regina Hall had like a whole bit about like COVID protocols that was so weird and it was objectifying men, like male oh, actors. I remember that one. <laughs> that was that was weird. Yeah, and like we talked about it at the time because it just stood out to me as like, look, the, a good idea of to as to whether or not this is okay or whether or not it's inappropriate is like if you swapped, you know, the traditional gender role here, it would not be appropriate for a man to come up and say, I want all these hot actresses to stand up next to me. They, they all need to be tested like for COVID and like it's over here in my area. Like go come stage left with me for your COVID test. It's like, that's so creepy. So I didn't approve of that uh, when it happened. And I, so there are, there are moments here where I'm thinking like, let's all, you know, for, for women who are doing the interviewing and, um, it's fine to be like kind of fawning and like that's kind of cute and I think he likes it but uh you know try to toe the line here and and stay on the appropriate side of the line like you know yeah the Regina Hall thing was a little fucked and I do think there is I do think there is a slightly different line for men and women just given the like the the power balance or imbalance and all that comes with that but like there's also there's also a line. And, There's a line. <laughs> and I feel like that the interview where they're asking him to read the thirst tweets was a, a line cross. Because these thirst tweets are not like G rated. No. They're like, I mean, the tweets. They're like, <laughs> oh my God. So raunchy. Um, like borderline literatica sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like, what was the one? We have our Instagram message history is just like Pedro Pascal. <laughs> we were doing research. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the story. It was a story I sent you, so it went away. But yeah, there's one about like I want Daddy to break my back, and there was Ooh, my yeah, gosh. just things, things of a very uh, X-rated uh, sexual nature. Yeah, it's just like know... that. Maybe uh, there. It gets a little pornographic but I guess I don't know free speech (laughs) yeah it does it's a little it's a little uncomfortable and I think like let's see I think there was like a BuzzFeed article that was uh also saying like it's not okay to objectify you know uh Pedro Pascal and like saying that it was some of these thirst tweets are degrading (laughs) and offensive (laughs) um yeah one of them said like I call Pedro Pascal a dilf and think he's my cool slutty father. Um, but he then repeats the joke and is like, yeah. I'm your cool slutty daddy. So it's sort of like, okay, I don't yeah. know. He talks about it on the Graham Norton show a little bit. Um, 
he uh, he also I mean some of these press things I don't know yeah I I guess I don't get when people say that they're that like he's their father because I'm like wait <laughs> mm, I'm not yeah I'm not seeing him as my father no that's not a part of it <laughs> no it's very it's very different in nature it's very um sexual and yeah. not incestuous of a vibe that I'm feeling but maybe that's like Gen Z being like oh he's so much older than me and I'm like I know, I'm and you closer in age like, to him you know like we could happen I mean I'm married <laughs> but like in another life you know does um, your does your husband know that we're, this is the topic this week <laughs> he does but he doesn't you know <laughs> that's he doesn't need to know everything <laughs> that's so funny I would I would never cheat on my husband but (laughs) if I were single and I happened upon Pedro Pascal I would absolutely fuck him if he was willing (laughs) (laughs) um which which outfit from like all of the different press stuff because there's been some common press press junkets that he's Mm -hmm. been on like the vanity fair truth thing he had like a cute little pink sweater he had like a mandalorian event where he was wearing the yellow sweater with like a yellow Mm -hmm. thing or do you just like traditional the tie the suit sort of whole thing i mean of course he's yummy in a suit or like the last um, of us like you know rugged (laughs) I'll take, Salt you know, <laughs> I'll take all the seasons. Uh, I haven't met a look. I've been like, no, thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah I like I it agree. when he like shows his little, his personality and his shit. Um, but yeah. Yeah, I like, I like them all, you know? I agree. Like I he's, agree. I mean, he's, he's lovely in a suit, but I do like when he like, like the yellow and the pink and he's kind of showing his, you know. Showing a little fashion flair. That's always fun. And of course, on Last of Us, he's just like rugged man, mm-hmm. sexy, bad with his emotions, but working on it. <laughs> Maybe murdered a lot of innocent people. That's not great, but we can look past it. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if they get into that more or they just like allude to it in the ways they have. What about you, Riri? What's your uh, your favorite Pedro look? Well, I agree with you that there isn't a look I've come across that I was like, gross, unsubscribe. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, I thought that I really liked, um, he had like a white suit when he was standing next to Nicolas Cage, because of course they also were in a movie Mm -hmm. together that's been very (laughs) much making the rounds on TikTok. Um, and so I was sort of like, ooh, the full white suit was kind of a good look. Um, mm. Just like might be my favorite. Yummy. Yeah. But I couldn't decide if it was because that was him in contrast to Nicolas Cage. And it was like, <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, <laughs> there's fair. <no. laughs> yeah. Nick is not um, not at risk of getting overly uh, <laughs> zaddied by us. He's safe. <laughs> no. Yeah. Yeah. Because we were in college, I think, when the original – the original YouTube that was put to the music from the Requiem original for a Dream. YouTube. Do you remember that whole I Nicolas do. Cage a, mashup? I do. A B C D E F G. Alba. 
Not the bees. Not, not the, the bees. bees. <laughs> Killing me won't bring back Bring back your goddamn honey. honey. <laughs> uh-huh. I'm a vampire. I'm a vampire. Uh, he's given us a lot, you know. He's quite a performer. I, you know, I'm yeah. not here to hate on Nicolas Cage. I'm just not here to... Um, to thirst you know i'm i am yeah. satisfied uh, <laughs> i'm so. satisfied that's from you know the last of us i'm <sighs> satisfied uh, oh. episode three episode um, three oh my gosh. he also pedro was also so sweet about his co-star yes he calls her belly oh and they're like friends and they're it's so sweet and they're it both on game cute. of thrones but both on Game of Thrones, not the same. Uh, I don't think, no. I don't think the same season. Definitely never the same scene. Can you imagine? No, though? those paths <gasps> did not cross. But I think they would have liked the characters. I think would have liked each other. I think so. I really wish that they could do like a little fanfic uh, moment for the group. <laughs> Just a- apparently on set, they won't even let anyone talk about Game of Thrones. Um, Why? Because she doesn't want like won't watch season four because like doesn't want to watch him die spoiler alert oh. over and dies <laughs> at the end of season four somewhere <laughs> in season four um and also i guess doesn't want to like see him as any other characters but joel while they're doing the show oh okay. um, but i guess she just like doesn't want to see him die on screen so they're like we won't talk about it um, that's really cute but does yeah. he want to not see her die? <laughs> spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, that was a... She went down... Uh, Swinging. Yeah. I mean, they both did, really. They both did. Very brave uh, brave characters. A lot of a lot of his, his death was so unnecessary. It was I mean, her, so... Un- uh, both of them were unnecessary. His I mean, was, it was more like he was... He took a moment to gloat, mm-hmm. and he really should have finished the job. And I still yeah. can't for that. I will never... Mm-mm. That's when I'm not going to... I'm not gonna get over yeah and if they kill him in last of us i'm not gonna get over it either but i fear that's where oh, it will man. go yeah is that where you're supposed to put penicillin by the way i was gonna no, ask no you don't nurse. just fucking stab a wound with penicillin oh it was okay like directly over his liver oh where I was, was like, it supposed d- to go <laughs> <laughs> you don't you don't inject into the liver it's like when you inject something you either like certain vaccines will be like subcutaneous or just under the skin certain things like ivs obviously go like into your vein so like typically penicillin is like iv Uh um but yeah not like in your liver um is that gonna be a problem later no because i think they're like and it's fixed i think a lot of these shows don't have um they're not worried about about the the accuracy but that was you I was be wondering. A medical consult for. <laughs> I would. Hey, I'm available. I love Pedro. Call me. Um, I can show you. I can show you where to put it. Um, how dare I? Uh, yeah. No. Nope, You're really not. showing Bella where to put it because she's the yeah. one who had the penicillin. I, I guess. I <laughs> know mm. <laughs> yeah, that was not right. Initially, I was like, "Oh, is this going to be a problem?" And I'm like, "Oh, he's getting better." No, it's not. All right fine it's i'm suspending disbelief already like there's fungus head zombies running around i'm not yeah i won't be yeah. bothered but you know but yeah if they want me to come by happy to you're available i'm available <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh um well is there anything else uh 
Pascal related? I don't think so. I think just like, I don't think we've gone too far collectively. I think some individuals have, and I think we need to keep an eye on the situation. Yeah. And make sure that we are respecting Pedro and mm-hmm. keeping his desires. Yeah. Um, whether they're conventional or not, we don't know, but keeping those top of top of mind, you know, <laughs> um, what he mm-hmm. wants, you know, he gets. So yes. I guess that's my conclusion. <laughs> <laughs> We're fine. We haven't gone too far as long as like, and women sh- who a lot of people find to be attractive, I mean, like should be allowed to also mm-hmm. not be treated that way if they don't want to be and should be asked questions that are like about their roles and that are like serious questions as well and not like what did you eat while you were filming to stay so snatched you know yes agree you know which is not they don't do that to Pedro they don't like there aren't the same kinds of questions being asked so yeah let's just all treat each other with respect and if we're thirsty we're thirsty but let's not infringe on anyone's comfort i agree agree <sighs> good so glad you know so glad we it wasn't we had to reckon had with to. that we had to think it over we had to talk it through mm-hmm. um because yeah like i said i initially thought we had gone too far and you know the more time i spent with it i was like no we haven't we're fine I agree. yeah yeah processing had to happen it did and we can full full speed ahead <laughs> Well, then, now for We See You. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Um, uh, Sad. Uh, So, (laughs) from your little fan, your little trumpet. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Save that for a good thing. (laughs) Um, So, as I think most people know at this point, Bruce Willis has dementia. Mm. um, And his wife had to like put out a formal statement to paparazzi because they're like harassing him oh, and like really? yeah and like invading his space asking him questions oh um gosh. which is i the like paparazzi has never fucking learned yeah you know there have been so many like famous you know you look at Britney Spears you look at Princess Diana you look at people's like children, you look at Michael Jackson, just the way that the paparazzi are um, or can be is so disgusting. And I understand they can make a lot of money for like pictures and content, but like, Mm -hmm. can we respect someone who has dementia and like is in declining health Mm -hmm. and like you could do actual damage by like confusing him or being in his face like that. Like, human decency please yeah um yeah i mean that's we see you (laughs) like it's just so egregious that that's a thing that even needs to be said at this point like with all the like the ills of the world we still have paparazzi doing this shit like good lord yeah oh gosh we we see you that's really really upsetting just just so sad to like i saw some something about a statement about Bruce Willis um, a couple of days ago and was just, I mean, it, it, just being reminded of that. It's kind of like Celine, like anytime Celine Dion or any, any mm-hmm. celebrity who has something, it sort of just throws everything, throws me, makes me really sad for them. And, you know, yeah. um, okay. So uh, 
the British publisher of Rail Doll's children's books has been criticized because they've removed language from new editions of books like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and Matilda to make them a version of more acceptable to modern readers. It's kind of... And this is the type of thing where I I just I think we have to be super careful about going in and editing mm-hmm. classics, especially and I, I mean classic classic texts, twentieth te- century texts, which of course do use insensitive terms, like they call, for instance, in Charlie and the Factory, Charlie and Chocolate Factory, Augustus Gloop um, is uh, Charlie's gluttonous antagonist. Um, and in 1964, this is when it was published, he, uh, they called Augustus Gloop, the character, uh, enormously fat. And now they changed it to just enormous. <laughs> like, and this may not seem like a huge deal, but, oh, and, um, in one of the, another example, like that might seem innocuous or even positive, like in a new edition of the witches, um, a supernatural female posing as an ordinary woman, they say, it, they said maybe working quote as a top scientist or running a business instead of what it originally was again in the sixties, she would maybe working as quote a cashier in a supermarket or typing letters for a businessman. So I'm going to wanted to pull both those examples because I feel like I can understand what the intent behind changing it and making it like, quote unquote, more appealing or digestible for modern audiences. Um, I disagree with the choice. And I think that if they do make that choice and it's it's uh, not necessarily with the consent or if it's it's the it's it's pressure, um, you know, Rail Doll himself isn't alive to consent to changing the text. But it's sort of like there's. I think we progress as a society and the way to ch- map that progression is to be able to read older texts and say, look at how far we've come or like, look at kind of the way that things have changed and we are no, not that cruel. You know, it's mm-hmm. not acceptable to call someone, you know, obviously we are cruel. We're a cruel society. People are awful. But like <laughs> if you're bringing up children <laughs> You could read them, the witches, and you could say it actually is like a teachable moment to say, like, uh, you know, describing um, a female as, quote, a cashier in a supermarket or typing letters for businessmen. Like, you could take that opportunity to say, if they're old enough, like, you know, they could do so many other things. But in 1964, it was more common for women to take those type of roles or whatever. Um, I guess... It's also the type of thing where they made these changes and they didn't tell anyone and they just Mm. kind of published without like, it's kind of like a more, it's more problematic than like, I think they're great. There's a role for abridged novels to help Mm. um, more complicated topics become accessible earlier to children, like different, you know, abridged novels of, for all sorts of literature makes a lot of sense to me but going in and editing an author's work without his consent and to like it it also gives a lot of fuel that we don't need to be giving so like the fox news is of the world or like it's a talking point where you know I think that it's just 
you're giving, you're fanning the flames of something that is very powerful for a big bloat, a voting block, which is, and, and, and I think that there's sometimes there's a role to acknowledge, like, look, we do not need to change an original, like the original text of an author's um, work. I just don't think it's, it's really appropriate. And if you do, you have to like label it and say like, here's what we did. Mm-hmm. But I just feel like there's, there is a place for, especially in 20th century literature, there's a lot of offensive, like there's, it's rife with offensive dialogue. I mean, and, and part of learning is learning like, oh, this is what the author wrote. In fact, let's look at the author. Like Rail Dahl was um, anti-Semitic. So that's, that's bad. Like, let's learn about what was wrong, what, what his views were and, and how did that impact his, his writing? Didn't it? Like, I think there's gradients of appropriate, like ways to engage with difficult material, um, for children, like at different levels, depending on kind of what the grade level is, you get to, Mm -hmm. you could say things, same with Dr. Seuss, same with like, uh, you know, they're, like it's the same with artists who are painters or writers or directors. I mean, we can, we can, we can go all day when it comes to this sort of thing and, and looking at the history of what artists um, put out. But I am just super, super wary of um, this type of like seemingly innocuous and potentially seemingly positive. And I picked the woman example because I felt like, you know, (laughs) well, International Women's Day, but also this podcast is called Feminists Without Mystique. You might think that I would be cheering on this type of an edit. Like, oh yeah, she's could be a top scientist or running a business. Instead, I'd rather just cheer on like the reality of how far we've come. And I'd, and I'd love to have the opportunity to uh, talk to my own children. Or if I was a teacher, I would love to teach the kids about here's what it said. And because this book was written like 50 years ago and that was the reality at the time and look at how far we've come. And he probably would have written it like slightly differently or, you know, maybe he wouldn't and that would be sexist and he would come under criticism rightfully so, you know, but anyway, I just think that we get into extremely dangerous territory. The last point I'll make on this is I I think that because censorship and like editing texts can go both ways. And like, if you wouldn't want a conservative person to do it on, on a text, you, we shouldn't, it's, it's not okay to, it's not okay to do it based on whether or not you agree or you think that the change is like better. It's fundamentally, I think problematic to go in there and especially without telling people you've changed the language, um, change the language because you know, a lot of people could read it and think, wow, that's so progressive of Real Doll to have said that an ordinary woman would be working as a top scientist or running a business. Like he didn't say that. So like crediting him with like that sort of forward thinking mm-hmm. is a problem, you know? So it just, there's, it feels like there's, there's a lot of um, layers to why I find this problematic and I really don't like it. Um, and I, I hope that, uh, as we kind of move forward and we think about um, ways in which we want to teach our kids and ways for things to be better, um, we can do so without selectively editing novels, books, art from the 20th century and just leave that where it is and we can learn from those decisions. But like the selective editing is really a slippery slope. We see you. (laughs) 
All right, now let's talk about Dilbert. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> said no one until a few weeks ago. Um, <laughs> for those who don't know, uh, Dilbert is a comic strip about this. I mean, it doesn't really matter what Dilbert's about. He's <laughs> a little glasses white man in a cubicle, and ah, work is boring, and ah, numbers. Bleh. Um, it's like a worse male Kathy. Yeah. Um. Anywho. Scott Adams is the the great mind behind Dilbert. Um, and he, it turns out, is super duper racist. Um, so he, there was a, a poll, I guess, that came out about whether, quote unquote, it's okay to be white, which could obviously be like interpreted a lot of different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and also the phrase, it's okay to be white, is something that like white, like supremacists and people who don't think racism is real say so it's kind of like a loaded phrase um anyway there was a poll asking whether it's okay to be white and a little over 50 percent of um black americans agreed with the phrase and i imagine a lot of people who didn't agree with it is because of what the phrase it's like the, the phrase all lives matter you know right it's like if you disagree with the phrase you're not actually disagreeing with the you know the idea that lives matter you're disagreeing with like how that phrase has been used Right. There's and a whole context attached. Context. Uh, but Scott Adams said that African Americans are a hate group and that white people should get the hell away from black people. Um, and that he's already moved to a like all white area, basically. Mm. Uh, so cool, Scott Adams. That is we we can never be surprised by like racism um, mm-hmm. because it is everywhere and it is subtle. It is in your face. It is, it is all things. Um, but to, for that sort of like almost like segregationist, not almost that kind of like that segregationist like attitude yeah, to be just like publicly stated. Um, yeah. Pretty wild. He uh, he's, feeling like he's canceled now. Um, I mean, he has been dropped. He's lost a lot of money because free speech is a thing, but there's also repercussions right. uh, for things that you say. So you can say it, but other people might not, might not like it very much. Yeah. So we see you to Scott Adams for basically advocating for segregation and calling black Americans a hate group. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that- hmm. He really went in for it. Like he, he really went in. He really, yeah, very. There are no no questions about how he feels, um, and he looks exactly like you think he'd look. Yeah, um, <laughs> I'm not here to judge people based on their appearances, but I mean, blatantly fucked up racist people. Yeah, I can make fun of your like nerdy little little behind. So <laughs> anyway, nothing wrong with being nerdy. Let oh, me gosh, clarify, no. but. Scott Adams, I digress. We see you. Totally. Um, all right. My second we see you. It's there's a New York Times article, uh, and there was a push notification about it. So it like I saw it immediately and it really derailed my day and others that I know. Um, but it said studies suggest possible link between sugar substitute and heart issues. Experts say don't panic. The recent findings underscore the need for more research into artificial sweeteners. Okay. Well, 
this is a huge deal because I think a lot of people are trying to figure out because we've been told sugar in small quantities is fine, but lots of sugar, which is sugar is in so much of what we consume. So a lot of people are intentionally trying to limit the sugar that they take in. Part of limiting that and doing it sustainably is for a lot of people includes zero sugar or like sugar alcohol substitutes. But a lot of that um, includes additives like erythritol or xylitol um, and kind of like monk fruit and just different. But you don't really, there's like a variety of different zero sugar, like sugar substitutes basically. And it is unclear like what the health outcomes or like what, you know, types of harm could you be doing? But I have done a ton of like my own my own research. I sound like such a like anti-vaxxer. <laughs> I've done my own research. Read no. between the lines, people. <laughs> Sheeple. <laughs> uh, no, I but I just feel like this has been something ever since I've tried to like generally live a little bit of a more lower carb lifestyle. Um, and in in sometimes sometimes specifically keto. So I'll say it. I do keto. I'll say it. <laughs> I'll say it. Um, because it's been what works best for me most sustainably. And like, so, but that has included like things that use sugar substitutes to get around, like to, to add joy back into life basically. <laughs> and like, so you can include, have some chocolate. It just has monk fruit in it, or it has erythritol. Um, so there was a study where basically like, you in mice where there's a high blood concentration of the sugar substitute, they were found to have, uh, you know, be at a high, much higher risk of stroke or a heart attack. Um, and uh, it's sort of frustrating because like, well, there was a study in mice and there was also a study, um, uh, the study in mice showed that like there's more blood clot formation if they fed the mice erythritol um, and that erythritol appeared to induce um, clotting in human blood and plasma as well. Um, they talk about specifically among eight people who consumed erythritol at levels typical in a pint of keto ice cream um, or a can of artificially sweetened beverage, the sugar alcohol lingered in their blood for longer than two days. Well, I personally am just someone who does have the keto ice cream. So like, it's kind of like relevant. Uh, I was like keto ice cream. I'm literally like <laughs> reading it as I'm thinking like, I have keto ice cream in my freezer right now. Oh. Um, and a lot of the time, so the, the, in the study with humans, they were, researchers were looking at erythritol in the blood of around 4,000 people in the U S and Europe who, um, were over 60, um, and either already had or were at a high risk of cardiovascular diseases because of conditions like diabetes and hypertension. So it just brings up an interesting, um, that itself is interesting to me because like, if you're at risk of diabetes, like you, it's lowering your sugar intake and having sugar alcohol, like you, you would be someone who would be a prime candidate to do something low carb, but you would have like zero sugar substitutes mm -hmm. um and hypertension like you can lower a lot of your a lot of these risks by having less sugar in your diet um these types of studies especially when it's like oh you could be at the serious risk but also don't panic it's like no 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 could you do a little bit more research and get a little more science in this article so 
everyone who's like trying to be healthy and stay on a healthy track don't get fucking scared to death or derailed by like like half of a study you know or like implications with a small group of people and they're already they're over 60 and they're at risk or like it's mice and you like pummeled them with erythritol and now of course they have blood clots like I am here for the data I want to understand if I shouldn't be having erythritol I will adjust my habits accordingly but I also don't want to get spun up and have some sort of and like try to do something else and like fail at like curbing cravings and like living a healthy lifestyle all because you know I read an article that was sort of like half-baked in the New York Times about erythritol like it's so frustrating and it kind of like gets at a larger frustration about how I think a lot of people, all they want, all we want, all humans want is some actual data about how to live a healthy lifestyle. There are some general things like, yeah, whole foods, like as much of like a diversity of foods that are from the earth, you know, and enough protein and enough macro and micronutrients, fine. But there are all sorts of ways in which, you know, you, we see articles every day that are like, be careful of the amount of pineapple. It's too much sugar. You know, we're like, <laughs> hey, beans can actually give you like the shits for days and then you, you're depleted. And, you know, there's like so many different ways that like you're told that normal stuff is actually bad for you or like you should really stay away from chia seeds. I bet you didn't know that. Oh, uh, uh, uh. you know, and it's just like, we're all trying to be healthier. And like, this doesn't help. This doesn't help unless it's an actual thing, in which case I am listening. I'm here for it. If erythritol needs to be off the table, it's off the table. But like, don't do this like wink, nudge, nod. There's a small study, but don't panic. It's like, no, should I panic or not? Pa like, should I stop eating erythritol or should I not? Or should, or can I eat my fucking keto ice cream? Like <laughs> I'm, I need an answer. I don't need this. Like, don't panic, but don't eat it. But like, or like eat less of it, eat some of it. What the fuck are you saying? Like, I mean, if you can't have sugar and you can't have no, you can't have zero sugar, sugars, non-sugar sugar. Um, like what type of joyless existence are you asking everyone to like, you know, exist in like no chocolate of any kind ever. That's just not a world I want to be in. Like I, I, come on, we see you be, do better, just do better science research. <laughs> yeah. Cause I, you know, if they're, if you're trying to take away people's chocolate, you need to back it up with some real data, not just like this weird, like half fear mongering, like what sounds like quasi article it's and it's like, it's like i'm i am here for the truth i can handle the truth if it's real it's real and we will we will work around it but like i just it drives me fucking these types of articles drive me insane yeah it's uh it's not not great not responsible <laughs> not responsible absolutely let's if we're gonna present a study <laughs> Let's let's present it. You know, let's not do this like weird, vague shit. Yeah, where people don't know whether they can have their fucking ice cream. Plant, plant your plant your flag. Can I have the ice cream or can I not have the ice cream? Yeah, Get one you, one or the other. And if you don't know, like, what do you know? And if what you don't know do enough you? to tell me anything, what are you writing an article about? Right, right. Maybe hold off on the article until there's a little more. Yeah, exactly. We see you. Um, <laughs> Any hoosies. So we had heard about 
Facebook giving information over to police um, who were looking to prosecute people for abortions, like chat histories and stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. But uh, apparently uh, there was an investigation by ProPublica and they found that online pharmacies that sell um, abortion medication are sharing sensitive data like the user's web addresses, their location, their search data with Google and other third-party sites. And then law enforcement requests that data from Google and they hand it over. Um, So at least they found that at least nine online pharmacies that order abortion pills by mail um, are having that data captured. Um, Mm. And then law enforcement is able to, to request it from Google and then Google gives it over. Um, So that is really scary i mean there are already some there are you know attacks on the abortion pills in general but the the point of these online pharmacies is to provide these to people um including in states where abortion is getting restricted or banned um but if you make it so that their user data gets turned over to law enforcement it kind of um partially defeats the purpose of that mm-hmm. um so we see you we see you we see happy you. international women's day <laughs> i know seriously <laughs> oh god all right my last we see you is to this new practice that we're gonna be if you're someone who goes to the movies which i guess not a lot of people are doing that but like if you are you are now going to see different ticket pricing. Um, it's going to be kind of the same as how they price um, concert tickets and Ticketmaster does it or like Broadway show, you know, theater tickets. Um, movie theaters traditionally gets a flat rate. Uh, doesn't matter which seat you're in. They all cost the same. And that is not the way things are going to go anymore. Um, and I understand that, you know, it's tough to be in the th- in the cinema business right now and that's sad and that's a whole other that's a whole separate conversation but um this this bums me out just like from a user experience perspective um I know they have to make their money somewhere but can't you just raise the price of popcorn another five (laughs) dollars like I don't want to have to pay a premium just to sit somewhere where I can where I don't have an obstructed view or it's not right in the middle or like you know I don't even know actually I like being in the middle if it's the middle of the theater, mid, 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 but I also like being, you know, so I'm interested to see what exactly they define as like the premium seats. And then is it going to be fluctuating probably based on Friday, Saturday night when everyone might want to go or like it just the whole the whole infrastructure of this, this whole initiative really bums me out. um, And I I feel like I wish there was a better way to do this. Um, So uh, we see you. AMC. Good thing. Women. Yeah. <laughs> Women in business. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's a, in the Philadelphia business district, um, there, so in South Philly, there's like a major business hub, I guess. And women-owned businesses now make up 50% of that major business district in Philly. So oh. get your money, ladies. Oh, that's great. Cool. Women, women, women. women. Um, I, my uh, good thing was going to be the screenwriter, Charlie Charlie Kaufman. Um, He wrote Adaptation and Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Um, 
and he was honored at the Writers Guild Awards on Sunday, and he had a really great speech, um, and he called out, uh, I don't know, he, he kind of called out Hollywood for being, um, for selling out, and uh, he said, uh, just pulling one bit of his quote, he said, um, we are trained to believe, we writers are trained to believe that what we do is secondary to what they do. I've dropped the ball. I've wasted years seeking approval of people with money. Don't get trapped in their world of box office numbers. You don't work for the world of box office numbers. You work for the world. Just make your story honest and tell it. Our work is to reflect the world, to say what is true in the face of so much lying. The rest is window dressing at best. Window dressing at best, triumph of the will at worst. Adrian Rich wrote, I do not, um, I do know that art means nothing if it simply decorates the dinner table of the power which holds it hostage. The world is beautiful, the world is impossibly complicated, and we have the opportunity to explore that. If we give that up for the carrot, then we might as well be the executives. They've tricked us into thinking we can't do it without them. The truth is they can't do anything of value without us. <laughs> wow. So I just kind of thought like, I don't know, I love that like, truth to power in the entertainment industry and uh it's um kind of gave me chills it's not like I consider myself like a writer but um I think that it I think that that is true and I think there is especially with like all the AI chatbot stuff and Mm. there's like all this um you know just rehashing other popular stories nostalgia stories via like you know everything is just you know, Marvel movies and VFX. And there are, there is great storytelling. There really is. A lot of it is like on TV and, but there are, there's beautiful movies being made all the time. Um, But I just kind of love like thinking about that, like reminder of the importance of how without a great story, really like, you know, there's nothing of value in film or TV without, without a great story. So writers are important. Writers are important. I love that. I love that note to end on. Lovely. Well, good for us. <laughs> Once again, covering from Pedro Pascal to uh, <laughs> International Women's Day to uh, the importance of writers. Go team. Go team. Uh, Feminists Without Mystique is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts you'll love at frolic.media slash podcasts. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.